0: Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast. I'm your host, Steph, here with Pastor Adam. I
1: am here as well. Hello.
0: Hello. So last week we talked about um, the second part um, on anxiety, and that's things to help us fight anxiety. Yeah,
1: yeah. Today, what's in this number? It's
0: 135. 135,
1: and we're going to talk about, um, this is the last couple of episodes in our series on mental health issues, and we're going to talk about uh, suicidal thoughts. So we'll have two episodes. Um, we'll do the similar style that we've been doing where we kind of talk through the main parts of it, and then we'll get into the next one. We'll get into some helpful sort of tips on how to deal with it. And so heavy topic, heavy subject. Um, So I figure we just dive right in. So when we think about um, strength or how strong somebody is, we usually think about how much a person can carry, like how much weight they can pick up, right? So when we think about a strong person, we think about somebody who can – pick up something that's really heavy or pump a bunch of weight or, you know, whatever it is. Like when my kids think about me being strong as a dad, they think about the fact that I'm big and I can pick up stuff, you know, things like that. Um, Like I'll never forget how Aiden, when he was little, I had to move this washing machine and I just kind of sometimes you just got a man up and so I just picked it up the whole thing up and he was just like enamored. He thought I was the strongest man in the world. And I tried to explain to him that I'm not strong. It's just leverage because I'm big um, and tall, but that's what we usually think of. But in reality, strength is really found in how much weight we carry in a different way. Um, Not like physical weight, but more burden and emotional things that we bury bear. So like the, the heaviness of a burden It can't really be measured in a moment, but it can be measured in the length of time that you carry that heavy burden, if that makes any sense, right? Um, So the longer you carry it, the heavier it begins to feel. And so when we we battle mental burdens, whether that means we're um, sad, scared, angry, confused, um, at first those things are light enough for us to carry them and it not be that big a deal. Um, But over time, those burdens become heavier and heavier and heavier where we can no longer bear them, we can no longer carry them. And so what do we do if we or our friends are struggling with suicidal thoughts? And I figure this is where we would start today. So it's an uncomfortable topic. Um, It's a very hard thing to talk about. But it is necessary for us to shine a light on a dark topic. Um, When we remain silent, once again, we've said this the whole series, but when we remain silent, we allow isolation to grow. And our mission in Christ is to give hope. And our mission is to shine the light into the dark places. And so if we don't talk about the dark things, if we don't talk about the uncomfortable things, then how would we be able to shine a light into them? Um, And suicide, suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, those things – it's, it's hard to talk about. It's difficult. Um, most people know someone who uh, has committed suicide or has attempted or has thought about it. Um, suicide rates, um, I've got some stats for you on this episode. Normally I won't give a lot of stats, but I figure we should with this one so we can make sure that we all know it's something that we should be talking about. Suicide rates increased approximately 36% between the year 2000 and the year 2021. So in 21 years, it increased 36%. Suicide was responsible for almost 50,000 deaths in 2021. Um, That's the most recent stats that I have. And, And knowing the trend, that means that there were more in 2022 and probably already more than that in 2023. Um, about 50,000, that's about one death every 11 minutes that's happening from suicide. The number of people who uh, think about or attempt suicide is even higher. So that other number was the people that committed suicide, right? Um, but the amount of people that think about it or even attempt to do it is higher. In 2021, 12.3 million American adults seriously thought about suicide three and a half million planned it and 1.7 million attempted it in addition to the 50,000, uh, actual deaths that happened. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here when it comes to this and suicide affects people of all ages. Um, in 2021, suicide was among the top nine leading causes of death. Listen to this from people ages of 10 to 64, right? So, Top nine cause, so it's in the top ten causes of death from age 10 to 64 years old, right? So we're not talking about something that's exclusive to teenagers. We're not talking about something that's exclusive to 30-somethings. It spans that that gap. And suicide was second, the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to to 14 and 20 to 34. So outside of homicides and car accidents— young people are dying by suicide in droves. This is a big deal, right? Um, and, it, and it's increasing year after year after year. Um, some groups have higher suicide rates than others. So suicide rates vary by race, ethnicity, age, other factors such as where somebody lives. Um, but when you look at race and ethnicity, the groups with the highest rates are non-Hispanic American Indians and Alaska Native people. Um, That's the highest group. Um, And you see depression rates, alcoholism, those things really high in those categories as well, Um, followed by non-Hispanic white people. So you've got Native American-type folks, and you've got white folks that are experiencing suicide more in those race categories. Um, Other Americans with higher-than-average rates of suicide are veterans, People who live in rural areas. That's us, by the way. We live in rural area. I don't know about you people listening, but Steph and I live in a rural area, so the rate's higher. People who um, are workers in certain industries and occupations like mining and construction and uh, ministry. Um, Pastors. Young people who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual have a higher prevalence of suicidal thoughts and behavior compared to peers who identify as for young people who identify as heterosexual, So it, it's, it just sort of hits everywhere, you know what I mean? It's a silent epidemic um, that we don't talk about much, um, and in the church we don't talk about it hardly at all, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think I've ever done a message outside of student ministry, outside of youth ministry on suicide, and I think I might. I think the next time we talk through, I've actually thought about turning this, this podcast series into a preaching series. Um, and I think we would need to add this one in because it's sort of a silent epidemic that's killing everybody, Um, and that's why we have to avoid treating it as some taboo thing or something that we need to keep quiet about, Um, and it traditionally has been. It's been this embarrassing thing, this thing we don't know about. It's taboo. It's weird. It's awkward. It makes us feel funny, and so we'd be quiet about it, and to understand suicide and suicidal thoughts, we sort of need to get the record straight and start off somewhere, so suicidal thoughts do not happen because a person has mental illness anxiety and depression do not equal suicidal thoughts so everybody that you know who's anxious everybody that you know who has depression that does not mean that it's going to guarantee and necessitate necessitate suicidal thoughts does that make sense um they can become a byproduct of mental health but that doesn't doesn't mean that it's going to happen if that makes any sense. Mental illness is a diagnosis we were talking about that you manage, right? Um that you can't control but you manage. Mental health is about the thought patterns that determine how we see and how we experience life. Um people do not kill themselves because they are depressed. They don't kill themselves because they're anxious. They don't kill themselves because they're obsessive compulsive. They don't kill themselves because they've had traumatic stress. Uh, people kill themselves because they feel hopeless. That's why. Um, and people can feel hopeless in those stages without walking through any of those other mental issues that we've discussed so far in the podcast. And so a person, a person chooses death when they feel like they've lost all hope, right? Like they're, they're hopeless and hope has completely left them. Like imagine this. Life hits you hard for some season, and that season never seems to end, right? And you feel yourself failing over and over and over again, and every single day it feels like you're failing no matter how hard you try. It just feels like you can't get past it. And then everybody around you is succeeding, and you keep feeling like you're failing. You become angry with yourself because you can't find a win, and so you just can't ever seem to grab that win, right? Over time, that anger turns into bitterness where you feel like everybody's kind of out to get you, that everything's stacked against you, the, the world's stacked against you, you feel ignored, you feel unseen, and then the bitterness can then turn into depression. Life becomes kind of numb, right? It's just meaningless, pointless. The things that once excited you kind of feel like chores. Blessings feel like burdens, right? This is what hopelessness is. Um, you feel alone. You feel a burden to the people around you. Um, you feel like nobody needs you and that if you disappeared, nobody would notice. And worst yet, you may feel like that if you disappeared, everyone that knows you would be better off. People often say, um, sort of in a misunderstanding of suicide, they say, well, they took the coward's way out, right? Um, that was selfish and cowardice of them. It really wasn't. If you understood their hopelessness and their mental state, what they were thinking is, is that, that you would be better off without them. That's what they were thinking. Right. So it wasn't cowardice and it wasn't selfish. That makes any sense. Right. It was, no, I'm actually helping the other people because they wouldn't have to deal with me. You know what I mean? Like it's really, it's really not this easy thing to say that it's just selfish or cowardice. It's not really true. Um, but if you'll notice in that whole scenario that I gave you, what was missing? What was the missing element in that whole situation? It was hope. Um, there was just seemed to be no hope. The, the circumstance may not have started out real heavy, but it became heavier over time. That's why I brought up that strength thing at the beginning, right? That this burden became heavier over time. And so suicidal thoughts are loudest when we feel hopeless and have carried our burdens for far too long, right? Far too long. It's something, it becomes so heavy that we can no longer carry it. And so we, in that hopelessness, just give up. And that's really what happens. And so, you know, we should talk about this more because the scriptures are full of people walking around encountering hopelessness. Um, there are multiple instances of people being suicidal in scripture, um, and we ignore it. Like Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, for example, wanted to die. Um, he says it specifically, I want to die. Um, there's all kinds of places in the scripture. Like um, the Psalms, for example, are filled with multiple occasions of hopelessness, humans in a state of hopelessness. So um, even those people who are closest to God experience profound moments of despair, and anguish and a lack of hope like for and you can see this all over the place i asked stephanie to give us one um look at psalm 42 so read read seven and eight for example
0: okay deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls all your waves and breakers have swept over me by day the lord directs his love At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life.
1: Yes, that psalmist is saying right there at the beginning, like it feels like all of creation is crushing down on me. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of what it's saying. Like there is this hopeless, overwhelming feeling of all things just being, just just crushing me, is the point, right? And if you look, if you go backwards, we're going backwards in it. If you go to verse five, listen to what it says here.
0: Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God.
1: It talks about the soul being downcast and completely disturbed, right? These circumstances can happen to anyone um at any time. The longer you carry these burdens over and over and over again the heavier and heavier they get and the more it can actually turn into hopelessness and anxiousness and anguish and feeling like the world's coming down on you in this downcast soul within you, right? I mean, these things can happen to anybody. Um, Suicidal ideation is more common than we think. When I say suicidal ideation, I'm talking about an initial thought to be a hopeless moment, right? Like the initial part that this is absolutely hopeless, this is just a thought. This is not a plan. It's how you feel in the moment. This type of response is normal and happens to most people, actually. That there are these moments where you feel like it is completely hopeless in the moment and you think to yourselves, man, if I just wasn't around anymore, right? Um, what's the point of life? Like, why?" Am I? It's just a thought. Does that make sense? Yes. It's not really a plan. And so it happens frequently. Like, I'll be honest. We'll get to this next part in a minute. But there have been a couple times in my life where I have had suicidal ideation, right? Just, I'm not planning anything out, right? I'm not not sitting around figuring it out. I'm not thinking through it deeply. But there's been those hopeless moments where I'm like, this just won't end. Um, It just keeps coming. Maybe it'd be better if I wasn't here. You know what I mean? Like, what's the point of life? You know what I'm saying? And and most people have these thoughts a few times in their life.
0: Yeah, I've had it happen to Yeah.
1: I mean, most people do. Um, now, people don't talk about it, um, but I've had them. And that's one piece, right? That's suicidal ideation. That's pretty – it's relatively normal, actually. Um, but what becomes abnormal is when suicidal ideation turns into suicidal planning, right? And that's when we have something abnormal happening. Because suicide rarely happens in the spur of the moment, rarely. Most of them are actually planned out, they're prepared, and they're mentally rehearsed. The action itself may not be rehearsed, but it's mentally rehearsed over and over again. And That's when we get to something that is very abnormal versus just having seasons of hopelessness where you feel like, man, it'd be better if I wasn't around. Um, Ideation is a common response to hopelessness. Planning is a – I hope this makes sense – is a misplaced hope in death, right? So, so ideation is you responding to feeling hopelessness. It's pretty normal, but when it gets when it gets abnormal, is when you start to place your hope in death. Like death will then um, make everything all right. Does that yeah, make sense? Right. It does. So it's just misplaced hope. Um, there are moments throughout the Bible when hopelessness and thoughts of death are addressed. And one of the most surprising moments is when the Bible takes us to the most unlikely person, who actually feels this, this feels this way, and that's Jesus. Um, like in Matthew twenty-six, um, in verse thirty-eight, Steph's going to read it in a minute. But what's happening here is Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is preparing to very, very soon, very soon, like that night, um, head to the cross, um, and he's actually ha- asking uh, the disciples, a couple of them, to pray with him because he's really disturbed. The Bible um, the Bible documents this medical condition of him actually sweating blood. So he's so stressed that he actually sweats blood, which is, you can look it up if you want to, you can WebMD it. It's an actual response, a physical response to ridiculous amount of stress, pressure, hopelessness, um, and depression can cause it as well. And and this is what he says. This is Matthew twenty six thirty eight. So this is unusual because it's coming from Jesus.
0: Then he said to them, "My soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me."
1: He says, "My soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death." Right. That is um, a, a level of hopelessness, right? And Jesus is not prone to exaggeration. So if you look through everything Jesus says, he doesn't exaggerate. And so for him to say that I am sorrow, I am burdened down so bad that I want to die, um, he's not exaggerating. And So you see even Jesus having this. And so I bring that up to say, uh, because this helps me, that Jesus understands your pain. Um, In this moment, Jesus was not being figurative. like He's not just speaking in some figurative language. He told his friends that he was so overwhelmed by sorrow that his thoughts turned to death. Now, Jesus is a walking anomaly because he's fully God, and he's fully human. He is perfection walking on this earth, and yet he was tempted with everything you and I experience. He's tempted with grief and disappointment and sorrow and anxiety and shame. He's tempted with all those things. And so, you know, why does that matter to us? Well, it matters because the people around you may never understand your pain or your hopelessness, but Jesus does. Right. Some people around you may never get it and so you feel like you can't you can't take this burden off and let anybody help you carry it. but I'm telling you Jesus understands the pain that you walk through and not only did he experience it but he re- he received a dose of despair that would have uh, destroyed a typical human being All right so he knows despair in in profound doses more than we can really even comprehend, to be honest with you. And so the entire kingdom of hell was coming for him, everything. And the same is sometimes true for you because mental health is more than just a mental battle. It's a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. Your very identity is on the battlefield Um, and your very identity is often the battlefield itself. right? Um, it's a big deal. And the entire kingdom of hell is coming from him, and it's the same thing with you and I, and it's attacking everything, right? Mental, spiritual, physical, all those things are there. Um, the, The Bible refers to our spiritual enemy as, like we've already read, a thief, a destroyer, an adversary, the accuser. And so his weapon of choice are lies that attack who we are. Right? The main weapon that Satan uses is not you getting a flat tire. right? It's not circumstances in your life. The main weapon he uses is not your car breaking down. The main weapon he uses is lies that attack the deepest part of who you are. And the design of these lies is to make you accept them as actually your identity. And that's what shame really does. right? Shame then says, no, this is who I am. right? That's how you can know the difference between conviction of the Holy Spirit and and the accusations of the enemy, the the Holy Spirit's not going to make you feel shame. Shame and conviction are two different things. The enemy throws shame. The enemy says, "This is who you are." The Holy Spirit says, "That's not who you are. It might be what you've done, but it's not who you are." Right? And that's that's the difference there. And so, um, in Isaiah forty-one verse ten, um, Steph read us what this one says.
0: So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand.
1: Righteous right hand. Some translations say my victorious right hand. Like, I'm for you. I'm with you. Don't be discouraged. And so one thing I wanted to point out was Jesus understands your pain, um, and not just in some weird euphemism, like he really understands it. He's walked through what that despair and hopelessness that leads to, to thinking about death causes, and he also wants to fight for you. That God wants to fight for you and hold you up, strengthen you, and help you in his victorious right hand, right, that does not fail. Um, If you suffer from suicidal thoughts, I need you to know this, that you are not a coward for feeling hopeless and so hopeless that your thoughts are leading to death. Every day you are alive is a battle that you have won, not lost, right? Every day you're alive is a battle where God is fighting for you and you are winning that battle. Don't ever forget that. Cause the enemy wants to tell you, you're a coward. People want to say that it's cowardice. It's not. Um, and every day you're alive, you are winning that battle. You are victorious. You know, like I know all kinds of folks, and this is a little off topic, but I know all kinds of people who, um, struggle with addiction, whether it be drugs or alcohol and they'll, they'll They'll get clean. They'll start going to a program. They'll be five days clean, 10 days clean, 30 days clean, right? Six months clean, and then they'll fall. They'll fall off the wagon, right, so to speak. And the enemy says, say, see, you can't do this. You can't do this. Your identity is in this. You can't beat this. So just embrace it. Enjoy it. But the Spirit of God will say, on the other hand, what are you talking about? You can't do it. You just did it. Like, you just did it for five days or 10 days or 30 days, right? The proof is in the fact that you just did it. This is not who you are. You know what I mean? And so every day you're alive is a day that you are winning that battle, and God wants to fight for you. Um, You are strong. You are stronger than uh, people know, and you are stronger even more than you realize how strong you are. But this is not a fight that's won by strength, and it's not a fight won by how long you can carry a burden. This is a spiritual war that is won by letting go of the weight you've been carrying and reaching out to a loving father who wants to fight for you and carry that burden for you, right? That's where the real victory comes in. You're not going to win it by getting stronger and stronger and be able to carry it longer and longer and longer. You're going to get tired. Um, The way you win this thing is, is you let go of this weight that you're carrying by leaning into the father and what true love looks like where real hope is found, right? Real hope. And the only thing that can combat hopelessness is hope. The only thing that can overcome darkness is light. And it only takes a little bit of it. You know what I mean? Like if you're in a if you're in a pitch black room, you ever thought about this? I think it's really cool. If you're in a pitch black room and it's completely dark, you can light one teeny little candle. And now all of a sudden you can see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like one little bitty candle. Because a little bit of light quenches a whole lot of darkness. And a little bit of hope comes against a whole lot of hopelessness. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? And yes. So you're not going to fight the hopelessness by getting stronger and stronger. You're going to fight it by letting go of that mess and letting the light come in, letting the power of God be there, and letting your Father love you and carry you and fight for you. Um, like Psalm 23 um, is probably the most well-known Psalm. It definitely is. Um it's used at a lot of funerals and things, but it, it's absolutely profound. And the middle part of it talks about being in this dark, deep, dark valley, this level of darkness that's there. Um, and it's just the beautifulness of the shepherd. Like read, read to them the middle part. I think it's what like four through six, something like yes. that. Yeah, read them that.
0: Okay. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
1: See, there's something different there. Like you're in this dark, like even though I walk through the darkest valley, the old school translation to King James is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right, Mm -hmm. that there's death surrounding me but I'm not going to be afraid because you're close to me, you're with me, you walk with me, your rod and your staff, they protect me, they comfort me. Um, and, and that part, the part that says you honor my head, you, you anoint my head with oil, is a really cool piece. So actually what shepherds would do is they would actually rub this oil on the foreheads of the sheep for a couple of reasons. The main reason was is that there were these flies that would come and light on the head in particular. And the flies would actually um lay larvae that would get down into the brain of into the mind of the sheep and make them go mad, make them go crazy, make them have mental health issues yeah right? um and so the shepherd loved them enough to anoint their head with oil so that wouldn't happen protection of the mind right. There's just such a level of hope that's in that, even in these darkest valleys. So what I'm saying is, is that not only does Jesus know your pain, and not only does God want to fight for you, but God wants to lead you out of this darkness. He wants to lead you out of this mess. The bottom of the valley, which is what that scripture is talking about, right? The bottom of the valley is the most vulnerable spot to be in when you are in war um, because you can be surrounded so easily. You're at a height disadvantage, right? You're down in the bottom, and so you can be surrounded – and they can look down on you can actually see what you're doing. They can watch your moves. Um, and there's no there's no place for you to run. There's no, there's no retreat, right? And so the psalmist is telling us here that even when we are at our weakest moment of life and death feels like it's surrounding us, God is in the valley with us. And he wants to lead us through the darkest thoughts to real hope that can be found in him, real hope that's there. Um... He, he's reaching out to you like you need to know that like he's he's reaching out to you He's always been reaching out to you um, You were never alone or abandoned in this fight Don't let the enemy tell you that you're alone. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're abandoned and that there's hopelessness When shame starts to try to strip you of your dignity God wants to give you honor, right? He wants to honor you when you feel alone in your thoughts His goodness chases after you, right? It comes after you. Why? Because your life has purpose and your life has meaning. Don't forget that no matter who you are. Or if you know somebody that's struggling with this, every life has purpose. Every life has meaning. And God is caring about it, chasing after you in it, because no matter what you have bought into or felt, there is purpose in your life. There is meaning in your life. There are people who need you. There are people who want you. There are people who know you. There are people who love you. Um, and God is, in the very essence, in the middle of all of that, right? And so um, remember that that suicidal ideation is relatively normal. Um, what well, gets abnormal is when it's actually planning. Um, and the reason that all that happens is because there's a level of hopelessness there, right? And the way we fight against that is with hope. Um, and God wants to give you that hope. He is with you in the darkest of valleys. He's not waiting for you to come out on the other side. He's walking with you in the valley of the shadow of death. That could almost be like a scripture specifically for those who struggle with suicidal ideation or planning. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Yes. And I know this is a hard subject to talk about. Um, We're going to go into the next episode with some steps to help. Um, None of them are easy. Like we've done in this whole series, we'll go into some steps that we can help with those things, whether we know someone or whether it's us. Um, But I think that the key is here: is it must be talked about. The light must be shined in it. We, as our mission as the church, is to shine the light into the deepest, darkest parts of this world, and that, and we spread hope. Right? We are hope givers, and those that are struggling with this feel hopelessness. They're not cowards. Um. They're not weak. As a matter of fact, they're probably the opposite because they've been carrying this burden for a long time, right, and mm-hmm. to the point where it's become hopelessness. And so let's just keep that in mind and know that this is a this is something that affects basically everybody in every age group except for really little children and, for the most part, really old adults. Um, but in the majority of the phases of life, this is a big deal, Um and something we should not ignore, if that makes any sense. Um, and I'm not too, I'm not too proud. Um, we'll let Jesus' power boast in our weaknesses, me and Steph both, to say that we've thought some things like this before. You know, mm-hmm. um, So you're not alone in it, and God wants to literally lead you out of the darkness. That is his job. He is your shepherd, and he wants to lead you to hope. There is hope. There is hope. Um, and if Jesus is alive— Anything is possible. And so whatever it is that you're carrying, that you feel like you can't get past, the hopelessness is there. He's there to help you carry it. There are other people around you that can help you carry it too. Um, And we'll get into some specifics on how to deal with it on the next episode. So sorry for a heavy one, but I thought we needed to talk about it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor
0: Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday.
1: Have a good day.